Hey, what's up going on, guys? Thanks again for tuning in to the Palette Plug Podcast. This is episode six with your hosts, Kyle and Corey. Hey, guys. Appreciate y'all listening in. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much, everyone. Um, today, we're going to be talking about brokering. Uh, so with this topic, this is something I'm a little bit more uh, knowledgeable on, I guess, not to sound arrogant, but I just have done it. Uh, versus Corey has not necessarily, but at the same time, I think that's a good thing because it'll allow for a lot of questions to come up. Um, fortunately, we had posted in the Facebook group the other day as well. Corey decided to, and we got some good questions out of that. So we'll be sure to answer those and give a big thank you to the individuals who decided to contribute. So we're just going to jump right into it and start talking about some things for me are, if you're choosing to get into this, just four things to remember right off the bat before you even decide to start brokering pallets is ask yourself if you're an honest person, if you're willing to hold yourself accountable, do you have good communication skills? And do you think that you can approach this with a professionalism that corporate companies would be open to dealing with? And I don't say that in any way to bash people. I just want people to be aware and to be honest that this is something that I think when, when selling pallets normally, you know, a lot of people are able to do that, but with brokering specifically, this is more of a sales-based job, more of a putting your head down, phone calls, hundreds of calls a day, months, weekly, um, hoping to get a result out of something. So it's not quick, it's not easy, and I just want to be blatant and honest with you guys. And with that as well, one of the big things for me is if you're choosing to get into brokering, go pick up pallets first. Don't, don't consider getting involved in brokering unless you yourself have actually gone, dealt with pallets, picked up pallets, gone to the pallet yard. I think that the information that you can learn from those experiences is what's going to help you in this because in this role, in my opinion, People are going to want a little bit more professionalism out of you, and they're going to expect you to know what you're talking about. So if you're kind of just like jumping into this and you're just like, I'll figure it out and I'll wing it, like, yes, you can. But at the same time, in my opinion, I think that it would be a better idea to actually go out there, go pick up pallets, go talk to the pallet yard, see if brokering is something that they might be open to, and then that might be your in into starting brokering. And so in my opinion, there's five ways to go about brokering and I'm going to go through all of them step-by-step step and try to include uh, some important things to note when you're choosing between the options that I lay out in front of you. Um, and I'm just going to start rolling into it. So pretty much the first one would be acting as like a local sales rep for your pallet for a local pallet company. So go out and find one pallet yard and go and try and build a relationship with that owner or the manager there and start talking to them about sales. You know, ask them if they have a sales team, ask them if they've ever worked with a broker before and ask them if they'd be opening to working with another one. And that could be your in into starting uh, brokering with a local pallet company. So in that situation, you can work as a sole proprietor. If you have an LLC, Great. It might be helpful just so there's a better way to get paid through your LLC versus you just being paid as an individual. Uh, and with that as well, it can also 
build up a little bit more of your reputation and your brand if you choose to go through an LLC. But regardless, the point that I want to make is this is a great introduction because you're working with one specific person, you're working with one or maybe three different products that they offer, new A, B grade palettes. Maybe they do customs as well, so that's cool. And it allows you to like hyper-focus. So you can hyper-focus on an area, you can hyper-focus on a city, um, and you're also learning through being in that environment. Like I was saying, like if you're gonna go out and pick up pallets, or if you wanna become a broker, you should go pick up pallets. I think that if you go and you kind of hang out at the pallet yard, they allow you to do that. You build that relationship. There's a lot that they can teach you and you can learn from them. And so from that, that can be a good way to get your introduction. So go pick up some pallets, go find your local yard, and then go drop off those pallets and start talking to that guy. Uh, an important thing to note when you're doing this is, uh, well, to make it a point, one of the questions that we were asked last night was what kind of contracts might be available or, or out there for people that are looking to get into this. In my opinion, really like the only one would be like a non-compete and that would be between you and the person that you're working with. So in that situation, in this first one, you're gonna get a non-compete and you're gonna go to the pallet yard with that. And it's just gonna say, uh, you can have things, you can have an initial contract that states what you're gonna get paid, if you can agree to that, if that is gonna change based off of the deal, whether it's like new pallets, A pallets, B grade pallets, um, that price can fluctuate and the price of the pallets can fluctuate as well. But to have something written that states, I am doing this for you, you're doing this for me, and in the end, you're paying me for that service. So to kind of dig into it a little bit more, they're gonna be doing all of the actual work. So they're gonna be the ones who are building, repairing, selling, shipping the pallets, right? They get paid, they pay you for that. That is probably the easiest way to get into brokering. That is the, I, want, I don't wanna say like no cost way because like there is still time involved in that. Uh, but at the same time, I believe that it's, it's the easiest way. You can build a relationship, you can start to network and it's a good introduction. From there, the next step would be, uh, again, you can go the route of being a sole proprietor or starting your own LLC. And in this situation, you can partner with multiple different pallet yards. So I would personally recommend if you live in a large state to maybe do it based off of county or area or say, you know, each yard has to be a hundred miles from each other or something like that, just to ensure you're not stepping on anybody's toes. You're not going into somebody else's territory. You're not taking a customer from one of the yards that you're working with and giving it to another one because that's not a good idea. You know, like I said, the big thing with this is transparency, honesty, uh, accountability for your actions. So don't, don't go in to a situation looking to just make money. I think that that is not going to be helpful and it going to result in tarnishing your name very quickly and making people not like you very much. So be aware of what you're doing. Uh, if you choose to start to work with multiple different yards, do it in a way that they're far enough away from each other, that they're not going to affect each other, or you're only focusing on a certain thing for each yard. So for example, let's say you have a new custom pallet builder. Um, that can be your one guy for custom pallets. 
If you have one individual who only does new heat treated 4840s, okay, there you have that to your Rolodex. Then you have an individual who specifically only does A grade pallets or they do A and B. Okay, now you have that. So now you have a list of person who can do custom pallets for you, a person who can do new heat treated 4840s and a person who can do A and B. And then you have three different options and three different kinds of customers that you can go after. That way you're not stepping on any toes. You're not taking business from another person. You're setting yourself up to be more successful by providing yourself a different type of options to offer to your potential clients. I know I'm running through this fairly quickly, so just be sure that I'll try and loop back around to certain things. And Corey, I want to make sure, let me stop now actually, and just say- yeah, you I was gonna. Yeah, cool. I was going to, okay, I've been so thinking. Let's, let's go. So I'm, I'm one and two in, so go ahead. When we're talking about non-compete, a non-compete can go both ways. Absolutely. Not only for yourself where you're saying, hey, I'm brokering this deal to this customer and I'm using you to ship them. You're the, you know, you're providing the pallets. I'm just making that small profit margin off of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it can go both ways where guys don't go step on those their, their toes, you know, and I'm, I've been very blessed, like Kyle has said, you know, you, you can find pallet yards that do only A's, uh, only new pallets, you know, build custom pallets. I'm very blessed that the yard that I deal with primarily does everything, A's, B's, rebuilds, custom builds. Uh, they use new lumber, recycled lumber, uh, stuff like that. But if you go into a place and, or, you know, when you approach them, just say, hey, is there... You know, is there any customers that you don't, that you deal with already? So I know not to go after them. Yeah. You know, they're yeah, going to be more really. willing to say, Hey, yeah, cool. You know, let's, let's work a deal out or, you know, no, we don't, we're, we're not going to deal with brokers right now and stuff like that. Some people, they don't want to deal with brokers. Some people don't yeah. mind dealing with brokers. You know, some people are like, Oh, I can do that myself. Right. So, you know, it, yeah. it all depends on that individual person and how you approach them and stuff yeah. like that. So it's, it's very, you know, it, it can go both ways on the, on, you know, just walking into a pallet yard and be like, Hey, here, I'm, I'm here to sell pallets. I'm here to sell your pallets for you because I want to yeah. make a dollar a pallet off of a, you know, I want to make $660 off of every load that you sell. Sounds great in theory. <laughs> yeah, in theory, right? When they're doing, you know, 20 truckloads a, a week. And it's like, yeah, yeah man, that'd yeah. be cool. But Right, right. You know. But yeah. Uh, and, go ahead. It's just, you know, getting to know the industry, like Kyle said, go out, pick up pallets, learn. Learn the inside and, and the, the outside, the good and the bad with the pallet industry. So when you go to approach these customers... You know, you can, and some of them will tell you, no, we already have a pallet, uh, a pallet yard that we deal with, or we already deal yeah. with the pallet guy. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and usually like with my, my customers, you know, I try to keep the, the, the price, what's comfortable for me to where I can pay my bills and take care of my family and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so, and I laugh because, you know, they'll call me up and be like, Hey, some guy just came by and offered 50 cents less than what you offer. And I'm like, well, go do it. Go, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're not yeah. going to hurt my feelings any, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you're going to be calling me back when that guy doesn't show up, <laughs> you know? And then it's like, Oh, cool. You know, now, now that old price is no more. This is my new yeah. price. 
And yeah. so yeah, yeah, I've only no, had that happen. I've only had that happen once. And well, and, it, and it's funny. They learned it really quickly. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's interesting when it happens, and it, it kind of feels good, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you got to be nice. You want to keep that client, so <laughs> right. remember those things. Um, but no, I think that a huge point that you made is is the uh, non-compete being able to go both ways. So they might, they might, as a pallet yard, give you a non-compete and say, well, hey, look, if you're going to work for us, you know, you, you can't necessarily go and work for another pallet yard, you know, like that's something to consider. I think um, if they know that this is something that you're trying to do and, and they, they like you and you do a good job, like they might want to keep you around and they might not want you to go somewhere else. But again, that's where, like I was saying, build a Rolodex of people who do different things. So it's not, you're not kind of putting yourself into a box and being like, well, I only know people who have a-grade pallets and that's all I can sell. It's like, no, you got to find a custom guy. You got to find, find a guy that sells lumber too. find a guy mm-hmm. that sells new, new pallets, heat treated and non, uh, and non heat treated, you know, like make right. sure that you, you, you build your, your, uh, Rolodex of people that you can refer to in the same way well, that ro- we try and tell Dex people. Is one, there's one, my Rolodex is one three by five note card with one name on it. So, you know, <laughs> me, <laughs> right? Well, not no, only me, kidding. but you know, I have Travis, Travis yeah. too. Travis is, is a great guy. And yeah. Yeah. And so, I want to, I want to touch base on, on, you know, like what you do as well. And I think that that's one of the five ways of brokering. Right. So kind of recap, like we said, you work with one yard, you do it locally, non-compete is probably going to be necessary both for you and for them as far as negotiating the terms of your deal or, or uh, what you, you can earn off of the, the deals that you procure for them. Be realistic. You're going to be getting 25 cents to maybe a dollar per pallet. For a couple of years ago, maybe that was different, but with the cost of shipping, with the cost of pallets, be considerate, be you know conscious of the fact that it is a volume-oriented game. This is not a per delivery. This is a look at it in like the, a monthly basis, right? Or or look at it in the the grand scheme of you 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 have your one guy who's doing one to two truckloads for you, and then another guy who's doing one to two truckloads. And you know, like I'm saying, right? Build out your base of people that you're working with, so you can expand your reach as a broker to offer different services to different clients. So before we get off subject again, I'm going to loop it back. Uh, and now number three. So number three, this is the way that I personally operated when I was a broker. I felt like this was, it's not the easiest. It is probably the most difficult. It costs the most amount of money. At the same time, it allows you to truly be your own business uh, and have not necessarily full control over everything because you do not determine the price of the pallets. You might be able to negotiate a little bit, but for the most part, it's not going to be up to you. You're working with the prices that people give you, but form an LLC for legal reasons. And for the purpose of being paid through that, people are going to be more inclined to work with you as a business versus an individual, especially if you're going to attempt to broker in this fashion, because your goal is to be national, in my opinion. You know, you can work with any business in any state. You can work with any pallet yard in any state. Uh, this is also, again, build your relationships, build your Rolodex. Don't just focus on one single thing. I want to, I think I'm just going to say it so I don't keep repeating myself. That applies to all different parts of brokering. 
Okay. So I'm going to stop repeating that. Just <laughs> if you be, want to become a broker, broker with different pallet yards who do different things. I'm done. I'm not going to say it anymore. <laughs> so with this, again, you're operating under an LLC, right? The way that I did it is I had my LLC. I found pallet yards that were able to accommodate the needs of what I felt was necessary. So whether it was one to two to three truckloads a week that they were able to produce, uh, I ensured that that was the case photos to ensure that that was the process videos. Um, I also got their W nines. I believe that's what I'm referring to. I'm just going to double check myself real quick, but, uh, you need some form of record and proof that they are a registered business or that they are operating under a sole proprietorship and they're willing to give you uh, their social because you are gonna be paying them. So you need to keep track of that for the IRS as a business owner. So make sure that you get their tax information, you get their business information. One, it's gonna validate, like I was saying, that they are a legitimate business, but two, it's going to make your life easier when it comes to tax time. So you can send them uh, a W-9 or and I nine, I know those are two totally different things. I apologize, yeah, guys. W nine is uh, like well, it's like ten ninety nine contract work. Yeah, yeah. Which okay. I have that's, customers. That's... I have customers that have me on ten ninety nines, and right. most people get freaked out by it. They're like, "I'm not giving you my guys. Just do to. it." Yeah, you got just, to. Just, it's part of Don't... the business. It's part of the Wait, game. We we just... should say this. There are dishonest people out there. Oh, do absolutely. Not, well, it's in any your... industry. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But I just want to protect people. You know, I don't want to say, oh, just willingly give your social security number out, you know? Well, like, in the state you're... of Texas, it's funny, though, because in the state of Texas, when you get pulled over now, the police officer or the, the sheriff deputy, state trooper, whatever, can ask for your social security number. It's a state law. Interesting. And like, even if a... they have your ID? Yeah, Okay. Well, let's just leave a, that. I had a Let, very nice conversation with our local sheriff okay. about that. And nice. Well, so, we'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you bringing it I'll... back, uh, <laughs> it's okay. So, uh, yeah, LLC, um, you know, operating as a business, uh, taking accountability. You, so again, this is the way I did it. This is the way I felt it was the right way to do. Also, somebody taught this to me. So, if you end up listening to this, thank you very much. If you know who you are, um, set up your LLC, operate under your LLC. From there, form relationships with pallet business owners. Don't hit them up and and be like, "Hey, I'm a broker. You know, I'm potentially looking for somebody to work with. What can you produce on a weekly basis?" Nobody likes that because you're gonna build that connection, and then you might never reach out to them again ever. And then they're going to be like, well, that guy said he was a broker, but I don't really believe him. I never heard from him again, yada, yada. You know, like I'm, I'm the type of person that I'm going to act when I, when that thing comes my way. Right. So like when it comes time that I have somebody in Texas, that's when I'm going to start calling everybody in Texas to try and build relationships. Cause then I'm approaching them with a legitimate opportunity versus a potential one. You know, nobody wants to be built up only to be let down. So think about that when you're reaching out and forming your relationships. But again, you can be honest and just reach out and say like, Hey, I'm a broker. I'm trying to build my network. I don't have anything right now. I don't have any deals. I'm trying to 
build a network of reliable and trustworthy pallet business owners. So that way, when it does come time, if I do have any deals, I have people I can reach out to. Nothing wrong with that, but just be transparent, be honest with people. Like nobody wants to work with somebody who is just trying to kind of schmooze them or get something out of them in that very moment, because people are aware of it very much now, you know, very, very, people are very much aware that there are scammers in this industry and people who like claim to be brokers who are not, but I'm not trying to bash and I don't want to spend any more time on that. So you have to set up the logistics in this side of things as well. So form relationships with freight brokers, uh, freight companies, sign up for Uber freight, try and set yourself up. So when it comes time that you need to set up some sort of shipping, you have multiple avenues to do it and you have multiple prices that you can get to make sure that you're getting the best deal available to you. And also you working with more freight brokers means that if one guy can't do it at the time that you need to, you can call somebody else and they might be able to help you out. So lastly, you're the guy that's going to receive payment from the actual client. So to kind of summarize, you're the one that is approaching the pallet business. You are purchasing the pallets on behalf of your business. You are setting up the freight. So you are reaching out to a freight broker or some other freight logistics company. You're giving them the pickup destination and the drop-off location. You're paying them for that. And then lastly, you are ensuring that that load gets delivered to the client and then you receive payment from them. Things to consider in this that costs a lot of money. One truckload of pallets can be thousands of dollars. So if you do not have that money, you should not do this. In my opinion, I don't think it's fair as a broker to put somebody on net terms. That's my opinion. I personally did not operate in that fashion and I felt it built better and stronger relationships with the people that I worked with because they were paid before they even locked the door on, on the truck, you know, and like the guys that I worked with, they always put, um, one of those, it wasn't like a lock and key, but it's one of those tags that, okay. if, you know what I'm saying? It's got the number on it. And it's like a tag that goes on the back of the semi. And you would take mm -hmm. a picture of that for me. And you'd say, here's your, here's your number, you know, BOL. That's another thing to consider. Uh, mm -hmm. you need to fill out the BOL and, and give that to the freight company so they can get that filled out when they go and pick up and drop off. And lastly, I'm just looking through what else I got. Yeah, I mean, I think that that pretty much sums it up. Um, you're paying for the pallets. I personally believe in paying up front once the, the pallets have been put on the truck, you are paying for the shipping and you will be paid by the end client. So a lot of risk involved, a lot of money involved, but at the same time, it's you are taking full ownership. And I say that because again, you don't actually own the pallets or pay or uh, determine the price of them, but you are paying for them and you are selling them. So something to consider. Mean, yeah, go ahead. So, I want you to, and what do you got on said, that? Like, you know, mm -hmm. you're talking about, it could be thousands and thousands of dollars. I know guys that will put, you know, when they're dealing with, you know, when we, when we talk about a semi truck load of pallets, you know, Kyle may say, oh, I, I sell 616 pallets. Our number is 660. Um, you know, Some you're people talking, do five. Yeah. I mean, you're talking almost $10,000, dollars $12,000, if right. not more, for these pallets. Yeah, it Go depends to an escrow what it is. company. 
you can you can go put this in an escrow fund mm. and tell them look the, this is where the money's at so you have that accountability you know when you put money into an escrow and you know so when they say okay cool the money's in that escrow account you know we ship it customer receives it okay now i've received my money you know or however that works out and mm -hmm. it really does it it can legitimate legitimize who you are as a person because you're not just handling that money you know you're you're putting it into a safe a safe area as, as i would call an escrow account because that's really what yeah. it is yeah so it's secure you it's, can do that way yes you can do that's a great that suggestion too. Thank you. That's something that I never thought about, never looked into. So, and this is something you're saying that like, if you have less capital or is it yeah. like, if you have the capital, but you would rather it be within like the bank's hands to exchange yeah, is that much more. Okay. So like when we, when we ship like what kind of story time real quick guys. So when I we had my it. aftermarket performance car, right. When I had Go my ahead. aftermarket performance car company and we would ship stuff in from China all the time, mm -hmm. We would put all of our money into an escrow, and what that okay. did was is that that told the company this money's here. Here, it, it, you can physically see it in the account, but you're not mm -hmm. going to get it until I get my stuff. Fair and enough. So, okay. when dealing with with companies outside the U.S. that you've never dealt with, you know, it's that's the way much, to go about it. That's the way to yeah, that's the way to go about it. It's okay. because you know they they know the money's there, they know it's real. They know as soon as that, you know, because with an escrow account, all you got to do is when they, you know, it hits your loading dock, you can call the escrow company up and be like, hey, send them the money. Release. You okay. Know, I got gotcha. the product. Okay. You're, so you're good to go. Great. Okay. I see how that can apply to this. And I think that's a good. So you do need that capital, though. I think that's yes. the point to be made. Like that is your money you have. But mm -hmm. you're saying that the escrow company and process in itself is uh, validating. And I think that's super right. important is, and it, and it secures everything. So it's like, they can see that it's there, but until whatever happens, it's mm -hmm. not gonna be released. So thank you for that. I think that's a helpful contribution and hopefully you guys take that. And if you end up doing it, let us know because I personally did not do that. Like when I, so it's my story time now. So when I <laughs> decided to broker, um, you know, like I had my business, I was still operating under the pallet plug. Uh, so the pallet plug has changed faces many a times, but it's, it's now here to stay. Um, but anyway, I, yeah, I ended up finding this good guy down in Texas, uh, in San Antonio area working with him. And so there's actually two individuals that I worked with. Um, but again, I was a big, like, they didn't know who I was, found him through Facebook. You know, I had this potential opportunity that to be honest came across it was purely timing based it was purely purely timing based where like i just so happened to call this company and say hey i'm a pallet broker i have pallets in this area i can send them here this is the price does this work and it worked out because they were the smallest warehouse out of a bunch of different warehouses in california and um they were saying that they didn't have pallets of their own. They never received their own actual deliveries. They would only get the excess from the other warehouses. 
And so it was like, they'd get 200 here, maybe 200 there, a hundred here, hundred there, not a lot at a time. There's no like consistent expectation of a certain amount of pallets on any basis. And so I came in and I was like, Hey, I can, I can be that guy. I could do that for you guys. And so, um, that was how I secured my first client was through just timing. And so I think that that's a, a big point that I want to make with this is that it's like, that was after 500 phone calls. Okay. Like, I just want that to be apparent to people is that like, I, when you are brokering, like if you're like, I want to work from my laptop, like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. But like, you have to have a process in place to find leads, to approach your leads. So like your reach out process, your outreach process has to be consistent. So you can make sure that you stay on schedule and you keep up with it. Um, and then lastly, it's just like the commitment to put the time into it. You know, like when you're sitting on the phone from sun up till sundown, like, and you haven't gotten anything, it, it sucks. It really sucks. So like, I, I just want to be honest with people. I don't want people to be like, this is a great and easy way to make money. Like I'm, I'm telling you, like it, it takes work. It takes commitment. Like I think if I were you, like maybe go on LinkedIn and, and look up like brokers of like lumber or something like that and just talk to that guy. Just, just pick his brain, ask him some questions, see how long he's been in the industry and like hear the harsh realities of it because I'm not trying to deter people. Like I'm clearly trying to provide information, but I just want to be realistic. I don't want to like falsely advertise something to be this like glorious and glamorous thing. Like it's hard work. It's a lot of phone calls. It's a lot of no's. So if you are afraid of being told no, well, that's honestly, if you're going to start a business, if you're afraid of being told no, <laughs> you should not do it. Right. Right. Well, you know, the, I live, I live a very, you know, I, I live this, this life that uh, failure is never an option. It's only an opportunity. Mm -hmm. People are going to tell you no, no matter what. I mean, and that's the thing. That's the worst thing they could. What What is the worst thing they could tell me? No. Cool. I'll see you in a week. I'll see you next <laughs> yeah. you know, I'll see you in 10 days because I'm going to yeah. call you, yeah. you know, or I'm going to catch you when you're at lunch and I'm going to buy you lunch. And I'm going to be like, let's sit down eat this sandwich, whether you like it or not. <laughs> not. Yes. You know, and that is my sales approach. But, you know, I used to sell, yeah. sell cars too. So mm -hmm. I used to Same sell here. for Nissan. And so, you know, like you said, like you said, you know, you can be on the phone from sun up to sundown and never get an answer, you know, and it's, it's very, like, it will weigh, wear down somebody's mental capacity very easily. Absolutely. But once yeah. you learn how to curve a no into a yes and how you can accept that failure and that opportunity that somebody said no or not right now. I'm just looking. I'm just shopping. Um, we're just trying to trying to get a, a market price, you know. And you can ask them. Well, what is your market price for pallets? Mm -hmm. You know, you can sit there and you know. Well, you know, we were paying this at one time. Okay, cool. Well, you know, things have changed. COVID really hit a lot. You know, hit our industry hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, because Seriously. our industry relies on the economy to move mm -hmm. product to, you know, have the, have the ability to go, Oh, you know, before COVID we may have been getting $8, $7 for an A. Now we're getting 10 to 12, $13 for an A. 
there's some guys out there that, you know, in Atlanta or California that are getting $22 for an A. Sometimes, you yeah, know. Yeah, I've, I've heard at times things can get and that so, pricey. Maybe more with, like, new stuff, but you're not yeah. wrong. Yeah. And so I'm just like, you know, you have to you have to be willing to accept the no's with the yeses and yeah. just keep moving forward. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, man. Especially with this, like this is a sales job. This is a hundred percent. If you choose to take this on and I mean brokering specifically, like, yeah, there's, there's sales aspects to selling pallets, but that's more like networking, relationship uh-huh. building, focusing on your clientele, you know, which I want to give a big shout out to Mike. Um, he was a big person that talks about like saying client instead of customer. So he's mm-hmm. in our Facebook group. Feel free to check out his posts in there. Uh, just want to give a big shout out to him and a good thank you uh, for being there and for contributing and for sharing that information. But anyway, my, my point is that it's like this, this is a sales job. This is strictly calling, follow up, creating a a process for yourself in which you reach out. Like for me, I also came from, from car sales. Um, and a lot of it was more like phone and email based. And so for me, mm-hmm. the process that we were, were taught and which I implement into my own practice when I was brokering is call text. If you can email 20 minutes later call, but that first call you're leaving a voicemail, right? And then that second call, you're not. And then later on in the day, you're going to, you're going to call them three times the first day. Okay. And you're going to send two emails that that's how aggressive, like our, our reach out was, you know, it was, if this person has submitted and shown any form of interest in this vehicle, you know, like we're going to have a conversation with them today about that. So, um, it's, it's a similar thing here, right? You know, like if you get a hold of somebody and let's say they're like, Oh, well, I'm a little busy right now. Like call me later on. You better call that person back. You you really should make sure that you you follow up with the people that you say you're going to, because this is sales, <laughs> and and that is very very essential to this. So rather than continuing to ramble, uh, I'm just going to move on to the next one. And so this is a cool one. And honestly, like I had thought about this, but it never really had such like a visual kind of uh, what's the word for it. You, you are the person who brought this to fruition, Corey. So I know I've given you credit for it in the past, but I just want to make sure that our listeners are aware that Corey is pretty much the guy that's introduced me to this type of brokering where he is a, you know, and no shame to it, but a, a smaller pallet operation, right? Would you agree with that? I'm just a pallet picker. I'm just a that's pallet guy. I just, I'm just, I'm, I just pick up pallets. That's just, all I do. I'm just out there picking up pallets, you know. But, <laughs> my, well, my, favorite, so, my favorite thing is when people stop and they're they're like, "Oh, what dude, do you do with those pallets? Uh, they're just on my trailer. I just drive around and, all day with pallets on my trailer for no reason." Uh, hold on, now, dude. I just need to make it a point for everybody listening. Corey and I talk pretty regularly on the phone throughout the day. I kid you not, this man is constantly <laughs> approached by people about pallets and like. It is such a validating thing, right? Like you had said that you were like, this is cool. Like, I really appreciate this. And it just validates like his efforts. But um, yeah, like literally past what, two or three times we've been on the mm-hmm. phone in the middle of the day, he's out there picking up pallets from his places. And like one guy approaches him. You tell the story. I don't want to take credit. What, Go ahead. Which one? What, the one with your uh, your Facebook post this morning with the massive piece of machinery equipment. Oh that was yeah, man! Not, I pulled up not to the a shop forklift. Last week. 
Yeah, last week, man, I pulled up to the shop. It was maybe, uh, shoot, like Wednesday morning of last week, Thursday, something mm-hmm. like that. And this guy comes over, and he's like, hey, man, you want you, you want pallets? I'm like, well, I've got a pallet company. Why not, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, I have this, this company up up in a little town called Hereford, Texas. And uh, he's like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll bring them down. I see you don't have a forklift, so we'll bring our forklift over. So I'm like, cool, you know, and, I, and I'm like hoping this guy's going to be like, hey, man, I got a free forklift for you. I'm just going to leave it here for the day. <laughs> right, right. No, this guy shows up with a front-end loader with <laughs> forklift forks on it. And I'm like, now that's a forklift. Yeah. So I'm like, this is cool. And it took him like all of 30 minutes to unload their trailer. And then he's like, That's okay, crazy. I'm going to drive my forklift back to the yard if you follow me. <laughs> yeah, right. Because forklift. he like showed up. Like he was like, I'll be there at 830 Wednesday morning. Right on the dot. He was there at 830. Wow. Showed up in, in that. the forklift. <laughs> yeah, showed up in the forklift, front end loader. And um, there's a picture of it on the Facebook page. Uh, page guys. yeah yeah so guys check it so, out if you get a chance he's like okay i'm just gonna park it here and take me back to get my truck <laughs> so we drove you know five minutes across town to go get his truck and he's like oh you know where my shop is i'm like yeah i grew up here like <laughs> your shop's down the street from my cousin's shop yeah and so you know and, but and then even like, yesterday oh, oh go ahead and he was like oh that's the, that's the older forklift this is the 2020 forklift Oh, he showed you a new one. Yeah, like they've got like they do uh, what they do is they take oil field pipe and they turn it into uh, fences for the uh, dairy industry. So they recycle. Yeah, super cool. And they make all kinds of cool stuff. And I was like, that's that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Well, and I I had I had to compliment him on his trailer because it's a diamond seat. And that That's is a nice the trailer of like all trailers. Nice. And so you're geeking out on this trailer. Yeah, I was geeking out, and he was like, "Man, you sure do know a lot about these trailers." I'm like, "Dude, <laughs> you have no idea." We say like, you got to know your research, or you got to know what you're talking about. Yeah. You got to know what you got to know what a, ca- a trailer is capable of when you're putting as much weight on it as you do. But oh, I'm well, sure that not he, only, he, he not only the yeah, oh yeah, dude, they they do like 30 foot joints of pipe and. Gotcha. Stuff like that, but you know, he's like, you know, the load capacity, like you know, the load capacity for this thing and everything. I'm like, yeah, man, I've researched this. That's like an entry level trailer over there. <laughs> he's like, are you trying to sell me a trailer? And I'm like, I'm always trying no. to sell something. So it's in your blood. An Eskimo, if I have to. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say once you once you sell cars, I feel like it's just like it's an itch. But anyway, yeah. um, and then like yesterday, you know, I had that guy pull up and stuff yeah. like that. And Which was this think- was great too. I think he more one. pulled up because where I was picking the pallets up from, it was the same place that they he picks pallets up from. But it's, right. they put them out by the trash can. There's a sign out there that says free pallets. So, you know, I mean, it's for anybody and everybody. To me, that's who, you know, it's – could I sit there and try to get the, the company to sign a contract and I go around to all their, their yards and pick them up? Yes. But do I have time for that? No. Well, you know, could, guess could what? I, I could hire somebody. But... I was going to say you could hire those guys who were more. Well, they, they were like kids, respectfully. If, if you guys are listening, what was there? What was uh, that guy's name? Oh, I don't even. 
Either way, if you guys, because I know that you told them to listen into the podcast. So if you guys choose to listen, oh yeah, uh, the, reach out to Corey. You guys yeah, can work together. <laughs> yes, yes, I would. They could sell you pilots. I, I thought about reaching you know out. I mean, to yeah, because I have and a like, customer that's... there in Plainview mm-hmm. that needs pallets. Well, there you go. And so, so, and this is a great introduction into the next form of brokering that we were just about to talk about. So, if you are, and I, I, I use this not as a like you know put you in this in this space, but like a smaller pallet yard, for example. Oh, damn it! All right. <laughs> I was trying to close. Right. The, I know, trying I know, to close. Fine. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay. So, if you're if you're like a smaller pallet operation, for example befriend your larger pallet yard. You are not competitors. There is a place for everybody in this industry. Everyone can eat, okay? So befriend them and use that to your advantage to where you make them aware that you're on the smaller side. Well, not necessarily, but you know, your volume is not semi-tracked trailers, right? Like you you right. have a, a different size trailer that you're able to deliver pallets with. So you can fulfill smaller orders for them and they can fulfill larger or potentially like out of your area orders because they have the capacity to do that. This is more of a relationship building process, right? Like you don't have a non-compete in place between you and said individual or the other individuals that you work with, right? No, no, we've, we've never, it very much is trust. And that's what I was talking about earlier where, if you go in to talk to somebody and you find out that it's, you know, they're already a customer of that big pallet yard, Mm -hmm. just tell them, Hey, cool. Thanks. I appreciate your time. Uh, you know, if y'all need anything, holler at us, you know, and I'll always tell them too. If they tell me, Hey, you know, yeah, we already deal with L and L, you know, okay, cool. You know, if you need anything, just call Travis, you know, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that And, and, and play the advocate, for the bigger pallet company too and stuff like that. And, you know, and it's worked out really well for me over the last five years, you know, where they, they can sit there and say, Hey, you know, Corey, I need a hundred pallets to go to this business or I need 60 pallets to go to this business. And it's, it's really cool because the way they're structured, they have five locations. So like, you know, and Travis has told me, Hey man, if you don't have the pallets, just let me know. You can stop by, pick them up and you know, you can take them across town for us, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't mind doing that for Travis because they've always taken care of me. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that's good. And so, you know, when it comes to, you know, Travis will call me up, Hey man, I need, you know, do you have any, any lumber that you can get rid of? Yeah, dude, absolutely. I'll bring you a couple of bundles of pre-cuts and everybody's mm-hmm. happy. So, you know, that's kind of what my business has really thrived on. You know, do I have customers outside of them? Yes. Yeah, you know, I think that's a a super important point to make is that it's one of those things where like one hand washes the other. You've, You've focused on building the relationship. You don't allow your ego to get in the way. You recognize the time and effort that those people have put in to build what they have and it's, I, don't, I hate to say like you're using it to your advantage because it sounds deceitful, but it's like recognize the place that you're at. You know, like if you are not able to do something rather than sign up for more than you can do, why not just use those around you who can bring you up with them, in my opinion? Absolutely. So well, I think I, that I call it, myself the unofficial employee. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> 
because so. you contribute and like you're involved a lot. Yeah, right? is that and, what you're saying? You know, and yeah. a lot of and, and a lot of people associate me with them. You know, they're like, "Oh, you're." And I've had people come up to me too and be like, "Hey, how's your dad, Tom, doing?" And I'm like, "Tom's not my dad. <laughs> <laughs> We're just." <clears throat> I just sell them pallets. <laughs> right, oh, I thought he right. was your dad because when if if you see a, a picture of Tom, he's he's kind of built like I am. He has a beard mm-hmm. that's gray and gotcha. stuff like that. So no, Tom does. Tom doesn't have any kids, <laughs> and so I get that. I've had I don't know over the six years I've had to tell so many people that. That's funny. And I'm just well, so. I, a good transition into our next form. And so this is pretty much like out of bounds for most people, right? This is for if you're actually a pallet yard, which sure you're probably already aware of this if you if you are a pallet yard, but you can broker as a pallet yard. So I mean I, I gotta I gotta plug my website here a little bit, but if you are and you don't have to necessarily be part of the pallet plug, but one of my biggest biggest emphasis of it is that if you are on there, you can use that site to find other people who I've spoken with and who you can confirm are pallet businesses and reach out to them and say, hey, you know, I see you're on the pallet plug. I'm a pallet business owner. I have this opportunity either out of state or, you know, maybe they're within the same state as you, but it's a different area or you just need the assistance with the volume. You can reach out to that person and you can work with them as a fellow pallet business owner on the larger scale you're using a network and you're trying to network with people to uh, fulfill the needs of your clients and so again i'm not trying to just say use my website like yeah that's great i would love for you to do that but at the same time like just know that 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 is an option to you you know like if you're a, a pallet yard and you can't necessarily fulfill an order you're going to reach out to another pallet yard most likely to assist you in that process and so like that one's pretty simple, you know, like I feel like most people in position uh, of a pallet yard are going to know those things. But so oh, to well, kind of I mean, just, we have, we have pallet yards here. I mean, that's the guy, that's the thing guys, don't be afraid to team up with other pallet guys mm-hmm. to tackle a big job or a bigger picture, you know, grow together, you know, bring each other up. You never know what kind of friendships, what kind of, you know, <clears throat> shoot, you never know what, what, you know, you could be down on your luck one day and need pallets or something and, you know, call them up. Hey, man, I need, you know, do you got 100 pallets I can come buy from you? Yeah, cool, go, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. So, well, and I think that together. the, I think you made a good point, though, and it's like almost incidentally you, you said it, but like you're buying those pallets from that person, right? Mm-hmm. You're not asking for them to give you pallets in hopes of you paying them back, like, you are taking responsibility for the fact that you have an order to fulfill. So you need to secure those pallets, whatever means you're able to do so. And so like, if it's a matter of purchasing those pallets and picking them up and delivering them yourself, great. If you feel like you trust this person enough to do the delivery themselves, and it's going to result in a better price for everybody, then do that, you know? But again, it's kind of, I'm always conflicted with this, right? Where it's like, I like to see the best in people and I want everybody to just be honest and transparent because I feel like that's what I try to be. Um, But at the same time, I also know that that's not realistic. So I'd love to tell everybody to just trust everybody, but 
do, do, do your research, you know, vet people, maybe talk to them once or twice beside before like fully trusting them with information and things like that. But right. Yeah. You know, and that's the biggest thing that we always talk about, right. It's like this community, this network, this like encouragement to not so much see the pallet business as this, like I have my clients and they need to be under lock and key because some other guy is going to come in there and offer them 50 cents less. It's like, well, why don't you befriend the yards in your area and then you all can communicate on what you're charging. And then that way, like everybody doesn't have to compete with each other and you can all continue to succeed. And like, sure, that would be perfect. Right. But I get yeah, it. capitalism. Yeah. I know. I know. I'm just putting it out there, you know, but at the same time, um, to kind of summarize everything that we talked about. So there's, you can become pretty much a sales rep for a local pallet company or you're a sole proprietor or an LLC and you're choosing to just work with one single pallet company to your sole proprietor or an LLC. Uh, it's the same concept, except you're working with multiple different companies or pallet yards and intentionally trying to find people who offer different things, right? Or you work with people in different states. Lastly, and two and three are kind of the same, I'm going to be honest with you, but it's more right. just the full service side, right? Like the difference between the two is like two is you're still getting the company to fulfill the order to receive the payment and you're receiving a payment from them. Three is like your full service. So you're the one who's purchasing the pallets. You're the one who's setting up the logistics. You're the one who's going to receive the payments from the buyer. And you're also the one assuming all of the risk. Uh, fourth is like I said, Corey is a good example of it and other people out there, I'm sure doing the same thing, partner with other people, work with larger pallet facilities that can fulfill orders that you necessarily can't, and you can fulfill smaller orders that they, I'm going to say, don't want to, <laughs> you know, right. yeah, they're, they're, in the business, they're in the business to sell truckloads, not exactly hundred pallets. Yeah, but, you exactly. know, with that being said, too, there's been times that, like, you know, I'll go on vacation and a customer oh, will okay. call me up and be like, hey, I need 100 pallets. Like, today, I'm sorry. I didn't let you know. I said, well, I'm on vacation, bro, but let me make some phone calls. And usually what I do with that is I will tell them, okay, cool. You know, I'll call, you know, my buddy Gary or Robert and be like, hey, I need you. Can Can you deliver pallets to this customer of mine? Okay, well, how much am I getting paid? Well, I'm paying you i'm giving you full price on that load so what i will do is i'll call them you know i'll set it up hey you know robert do you mind delivering 100 pallets to so-and-so company yeah cool not a problem how much do you charge tell them okay how much of that are you getting back i'm not taking anything back off of it and i'll call the company and be like hey this guy's going to come deliver your pallets you pay him full price and we go on about our business we have and done that and have been very successful at it. And that's so, more so a like a fill in is what you're saying, kind of. Yeah. It's like they just kind of like fill in for you. Okay. And they're selling their own pallets. Mm -hmm. They're not using. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. They're selling their well, own pallets. Well, again. So, and since they're using their own pallets, you know, I, mm -hmm. I feel obligated that, hey, I should give you full price. You that's, know? that's fair. And you so, know, and I, and I, but like that's the thing it, is like you're an honest guy, you know, like you recognize the efforts and the work that goes into it. So therefore you want to give back to those people. You don't want like, I, I as uh, through our interactions, I've grown to learn that like, you're very much the type of person that like you're here 
to solve the problem. You're not here mm. to benefit from whatever you choose to do in that situation. And I'm very much the same way. And I think that it's a good trait to have because it's going to like you, your ego doesn't get in the way, right? It allows you to build better relationships with people because you recognize that like, though you were the one that had that initial connection and that initial client come to you or be working with you, like there's no reason that you should look at yourself as any better than that person that you're giving that opportunity to. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, okay. I just want to make like, sure. I was, <laughs> well, I was at, uh, you know, I was, see, when was it? What was I doing? I don't know if I was, yeah, I was on vacation in Colorado. Hmm. And, you know, customer called up and was like, hey, I need 100 pallets today. All right, cool. I'll call Robert. Robert is like, yeah. Well, they offered to, to buy pallets directly from Robert because the guy that was running the receiving department knew Robert from the club. And hmm. so Robert was like, no, I'm good. You know, I'm just doing this as a favor to Corey and stuff like that. So, so that was good on, on him too. And knowing yeah. that like you've put that time in to build that relationship with him as well. So yeah, surround yourself with good people who see the value in what you're doing and you see the value in what they're doing. And it's just going to ensure that you have a more secure and solid business in my opinion. So um, to kind of loop back to what we were talking about and summarizing the five, the five different ways, um, like I said, Corey, good example. And then lastly, again, if you're a pallet yard owner, work with other pallet yard owners to fulfill orders if you need to. Um, so again, to kind of touch base as far as like contracts may go or things to have in place, things should be written in writing when it comes to you getting paid and you offering a service to a company. So, um, in my opinion, I didn't say this before, but I think it's important to mention now, um, a scope of work can be super helpful as well. And uh, mostly that's done by an independent contractor to a business, let's say a freelance graphic designer or something like that in that scope of work, they're going to include things that says what they're going to do and what that business is going to do and what kind of restrictions or, you know, time restraints they're going to hold each other to. And so, for example, in regards to this, you can create a scope of work and say, my job is going to be going out and talking to potential customers on behalf of such and such pallet yard. I will, only offer this, this, and that, and I will not do this, this, and that. And then on the pallet yard side, uh, they can you can hold them accountable and say, we will fulfill orders between this and that. The price for such will be this and that. Uh, you Maybe including the price is going to be difficult just based off the fact that that fluctuates fairly frequently. Um, but you know, we're capable of doing this and that, and we're capable of delivering at this time and this time, just so that way there is a set guidelines for you to follow and for them to also be held accountable to. Uh, the non-compete, so non-compete between you and the pallet yard to ensure that you're actually going to get paid for your efforts and for the work that you put in. Uh, they're not just going to take the opportunity from you. And then also they might, <clears throat> to be honest, I would, 
I would offer up like a non-compete yourself. You know, like if you're approaching a pallet yard and you're trying to establish that relationship, say, look, I'll, I'll have a non-compete with you for six months. So, you know, while I'm kind of getting started and learning this business and learning this industry in the area, I'm not going to go and try and work with other pallet yards for six months. That way they can see that you're trying to, you know, build that trust with them and, and make it so they can see you as somebody who genuinely wants to like work for them and with them. And they might be willing to offer you more knowledge because of that. They're saying like, oh, okay, well, if you're willing to take that and do that for us, then like we're willing to do this for you and teach you and show you these different things. And, you know, maybe they have opportunities that they might open up to you because of that. Like who, who knows, you know, you never really know what's going to happen. So I think it's just encouragement to like get out there and start talking to people and to start focusing on building your relationships, um, being transparent, being honest, and just being a trustworthy per person that people want to work with. And one last thing, which like, I, I don't want to end on this, but just one last thing that somebody had brought up, which is negotiating price. You're kind of at the will of the market, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, you're, you're at the will of the market on that one. So, you know, you, you kind of have to base it off of the area that you're calling into, the size of the business, the volume that they're purchasing, like all that's going to change. I think Corey made a really good point. It's to kind of ask what people are at, what they're paying now. I mean, people don't necessarily give that information away for free. There's usually, a, you know, who draws Sometimes first. And sometimes it, it when, people, when people approach me about yeah. pallets, you know, you know, how much do you charge? Well, you know, this is my set price. Oh, well, you know, can we, can we work something out where, you know, I'm paying, you know, a little bit less? Well, yeah, but I'm going to put you on a contract, you mm -hmm. know, and so you can like, like that. guarantee that yeah. you can kind of secure. Right. And I think to be honest, if you're, I don't think, like signing a contract as a broker is necessarily the best idea just because like, again, you're not the one who's like going to actually be producing in the, the pallets, you know, like in my opinion, if, if you don't know for sure that you're going to be able to supply those things, then like, don't set yourself up for something that you can't fulfill. You know, I right. think that, um, that's just a great way to get yourself in trouble in my opinion. But I think, I mean, like there's, there's so many little intricacies of this and like, I'd love to be able to talk about this further. I think maybe at some point, like we've discussed, like maybe kind of bringing somebody on and who's interested and in allowing me to kind of go back and forth with that one, you as well, to go back and forth with them, uh, in regards to this, like have them have a bunch of questions to ask so we can ensure anything that people are curious about knowing they can get answered. Also, if you're listening to this on YouTube, please write comments, you know, ask questions so we can ensure that we can answer them on the next episode, whether they're in relation to this topic or not. Um, Corey and I get very excited when we see new subscribers, new listeners, comments, anything like that. Like social media has been really great lately see, as far it, as the yes, in, in, in public. Don't be afraid to talk to us. Uh, buy us lunch. <laughs> we're, we're all about that. So you, you can feed us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, right. Well, I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how often I'd be running into people where I live, but you never know. yeah, you never I'll know. say, Hey man, people. I'd rather buy somebody else lunch. 
Yeah, I you have know? random people that just walk up to me and start talking to me about pallets. I used to do that, and it's always the older guys. I used to do that 30 years ago. Why'd you well, get out? Well, it's still a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's still yeah. very much a thing to this day. But, um, I always but like yeah, when I the think... old guys come up to me, tell me about I think it's funny. I used to do that when I was your age, and, yeah. and I was getting $2 a piece for pallets, and... This was in 1975, and it's like, you know, that $2 a piece for a pallet in 1975, that was good money. I was going to say, that sounds like a pretty good deal, <laughs> in my opinion. So, so, but yeah, man, I think, um, yeah, we just, we, we love everything that's that's come of this and all the people who have been in, engaging and reaching out and to see the numbers grow on, on these websites that we're on, uh, that we've we put this stuff out there on. Um, it, it's really something that we genuinely appreciate and can't thank you guys enough for. So thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Corey, what do you want to, you want to add anything to that? Man, I appreciate y'all come check out the pallet plug podcast. Check out with the, well, you're obviously listening to it, but come check out the, <laughs> the, the Facebook page, the pallet professionals, Facebook page, come check out the pallet plug.com get signed up. Um, that's really it, man. Let's grow thank the you. network. I, well, I gotta thank you stuff. too, dude, because I, I genuinely I don't vocalize about my own business enough because I just I don't want to be that guy, you know. So thank you for, for saying that. that I know guy. you are. I, I, oh, I know you are. Yeah, everybody knows <laughs> what uh, I do. Yes, and everybody yes. gets tired of hearing about yeah. it. But you know what? I don't right. care. You know, nah, I appreciate it, and I think everybody else does as well, man. So thank you guys. Thanks for tuning in again. Any questions, any comments, anything you guys want to say, email comment on YouTube. Um, I believe I, I list my email and in, in all of the Spotify uh, bios as well. So we want to hear from you guys. We love this. We love talking about pallets. We love engaging with the people in the group and helping in any way that we can. And uh, hopefully we have some, people potentially coming on in the future. So that's something to look forward to as well. And that's all we're going to say in regards to that. But uh, yeah, thank you very much, guys. And be safe. Take care.